You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello and welcome to Six Figure Dog Business on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm your host, Ty of TyTheDogGuy.com, and I'm thrilled you're here today. Today we're going to be talking about program creation. And I want to talk about program creation because it's something that's helped my business go from zero to a few hundred thousand to a seven-figure-per-year business. And I want to help you understand how program creation is at the very core of doing that. So stay right with us. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com All right, we're back. And like I said, I'm thrilled that you're here today because I'm going to talk about program creation. Now, I did a similar show to this, I want to say, oh, probably, I think it was like four years ago. Because I remember it was about four years ago that uh, my family and I, we moved to Costa Rica and we spent a year in Costa Rica and it was awesome. We had a great time. But when I had moved down there, I was so grateful. I was surfing every day, hanging out in the pool, watching monkeys every day, swinging through the trees, all this good stuff. I was living in paradise. And now that I'm saying that, I'm like, oh gosh, what am I doing back here in Utah? But anyways, I digress. I was so grateful. I was like, what got me here? You know, what got me to the point where I could do this and have somebody else run my business for this year while I'm gone? And so I did this show on how I was able to do that. And part of that show was talking about program creation, uh, because I saw that at that time, at that time, we were a few hundred thousand a year, something like that per year business. And I credited a lot of program creation as as what got us there a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of things that go into building and, and growing a business. But now it's four years later, we've grown, we now have a facility, 10 or so employees, seven figure business. And I'm looking and taking stock because we're we're actually trying to move into a bigger building and trying to ex- expand more, just looking for the right building and, and things like that. And so I'm looking and taking stock of these things and trying to say, okay, what got us there? And I'm realizing, having said this deja vu of four years ago doing a similar show about program creation. So I want to do kind of an updated show that gives more insight, more details, more uh, you know, more fun information on what program creation can do for you, whether you're a pet sitter, dog walker, dog trainer, veterinarian, kennel owner, things like that. Program creation is often at the core because it's what separates you. Now, it's what separates you from the competition because your program essentially is the results that you offer. And so too many dog trainers, in fact, I see this all the time on dog trainer forums where they're like, hey, what should I do for my program? And people say, here's what I do. And so everyone else goes out and they do the same thing. Well, guess what? When everyone's doing the same thing, 
it now becomes very difficult for people to judge who's different, why they're different, why they're better, why they're worse, things like that. And so what I try to do is stay away from what people are doing. Um, so I am going to give a lot of, I will give a lot of specifics today, but more than specifics, I want to give general ideas so that you can custom tailor something for yourself. Not what I'm doing. What I'm doing works for me. What someone else is doing works for them. I'm going after a different demographic. I'm going after a different result. I'm going after a different something than you are. And so doing it the exact same way I am isn't modeling, it's copying. Modeling would be saying, hey, here's the concept and the core of what he's doing. Let me see how I can adjust that and do that for my business. And that's what I'm hoping, the message that I'm hoping I can, I can bring today. And not to say, hey, look at my business, it's awesome and amazing and, and you should do the exact same thing or you should do something similar. Because the reality is just like any business, we've got a lot of errors and a lot of things to fix. And I'm constantly you know, trying to improve and trying to get us better. But there, like I say, we've been able to grow one of the largest dog training companies in the country based on a number of things, program creation being one of them. So that's what I wanted to give you guys today is to talk about that. So way back four years ago, I kind of told this story, but I want to retell it because it's at the core of everything. Because when I realized that I needed to change my programs was when I realized I wasn't charging enough money. And when I realized I wasn't charging enough money was when I was charging $100 an hour. Now, a lot of dog trainers will look at that even now. And like I say, we changed, I did the show four years ago, but I think we changed concept like six years ago or something like that. Don't quote me on that, but something similar. But, uh, you know, at the time, you know, $100 an hour is a lot. And even today, I see a lot of dog trainers charging 30 to 80 or 90 or $100 an hour in 2016 when I'm recording this new show. And so, so like I say, it's one of these things where I was making $100 an hour, which for a lot of folks is a lot, but I recognized $100 an hour was stifling my growth. So let me explain why. At the time, I had no facility, and so I wasn't counting that as overhead or anything like that. My only overhead was like vehicle, you know, insurance, website, phone, stuff like that, you know, no huge overhead by any means. And so some people, you know, would say, well, shouldn't $100 an hour be good? And for me, it, it was, you know, for a single person operating it, it was. And at the time, I think I was, you know, grossing high 200s, low 300s. And so I was making a lot of good money, you know, with very little overhead. You know, I think we'd spend $30,000 a year in electric collars, and that was probably our biggest overhead outside of a vehicle and stuff like that. So, but I realized that $100 an hour wouldn't allow me to grow because I was working my butt off. I was working 12, 14 hours a day. I was doing everything, no assistant, answering the phones, do, I mean, doing everything, right? And so I realized that if I wanted to duplicate myself, I would need to have an assistant, a head trainer, and probably like an assistant trainer. So right there, you know, let's let's give 300000 as just like a, uh, that's what I was making because we would do private sessions and I would do what we call boot camps or board and trains. And so that all equaled up to about 300000 a year. And so let's say now I had to have three employees with $300,000 a year. Well, when you take away taxes, when you take away spending 30 grand on e-collars, when you take away spending, you know, a few thousand for this and this and this and this, and you know, you know how expenses add up. When you start doing that, that 300,000, which probably would need three employees to run, suddenly isn't making any money when you consider everything else. And I tried to think, okay, what if it was just one person? You know, what could one person do? And I was thinking, you know, one person could realistically do about two to three private sessions a day. And so they're in front of clients three, four, five hours a day because we do sessions a little bit longer than an hour. That would be about it. You know, if they were busy, they would be doing three private sessions because driving to somebody's house, spending an hour and a half, two hours, and then driving to the next house and stuff like that, really three appointments a day would kind of cap it, right? 
And so, so like I say, five, $600 a day, well, to hire somebody to do that, you're probably at $200 a day. You know, you've got another 50, 100 bucks in vehicle expenses every day when you're doing something like that. You've got insurance costs, you've got website costs, you've got a phone, you've got a... And so, you know, maybe they're bringing in five or $600 a day, but you're probably, you know, putting out $350, $400 a day, really, in, in expenses. And so what that would mean is you would need like five trainers to make you the $500 a day because you're making $100 off each trainer. But once you did that, then you would need to have another assistant. And so I realized that at $100 an hour, roughly, there was just no room for growth. I couldn't hire people. Like I could maybe bring on someone to help me with little tasks here or there and stuff like that. But I realized I couldn't hire people. And that's the problem that a lot of dog trainers get themselves into. Now, there are numerous dog trainers who do not want to grow beyond one person, totally fine, or don't want to grow beyond one person and a helper. There's no problem with that. But even if you don't want to grow beyond that, there is a lot of value in setting your business up as if you would. One book I would recommend folks read is The E-Myth. Is that Michael Gerber? I don't remember. Anyways, it's a great book, The E-Myth. But he talks about that. He says, even if you never plan on taking on an employee or selling your business or doing anything like that, you want to set up the business in such a way that you could. Because, you know, let's say that your goal is to be this solopreneur, the solo proprietor forever. But what if in three years from now you get really injured or really sick and you want to keep your business, but you can't be doing the work? What happens? Well, maybe you've got other fallbacks, but if your fallback is your business, and there's no system built in where you could hire somebody, you're going to be in trouble. So again, not that everyone's going to do that or even wants to do that, but it's a smart move to set up your business as if you were going to hire or as if you were going to sell the business at some point or as if you were going to hand it off to a child or something like that. It's a smart idea to set up your business in such a way. And like I say, if you're doing $100 an hour the way that I was, there's not a lot of good ways to do that. Now, maybe you're doing $100 an hour out of your house and that takes away car expense and that takes away the travel time and, and stuff like that. So maybe $100 an hour you know, could work. So I'm not saying $100 an hour is wrong. I'm just saying the way that my business was set up, $100 an hour wasn't going to allow us to grow. And so I knew that I needed to change my programs because one of my big pet peeves is when you get around dog trainers, a lot of them like to talk big. And I'm sure this is the same for you, pet sitters and dog walkers and stuff like that. And someone says, well, here's how much I'm charging. And people are like, well, just raise your prices. Now, sometimes prices are so low that people really just should raise them just for the sake of raising them. But the reality is, you know, that's not the way that the economy works and the market works. You can't just say, hmm, I'd like to have more money. I'm going to charge more. Unless, of course, you've been able to make that value proposition to your customers and say, hey, we're worth more. So we're going to start charging 20% more. But anyways, you know, when you get uh, dog professionals around each other, a lot of them just start talking about raising your prices. Well, I knew at that time I couldn't just like, all right, we're not $100 an hour anymore. We're $200 an hour. You know, we would lose all our clients by doing the exact same thing and charging double. You know, we would lose some clients if we did the exact same thing and charge 10% more. We'd lose probably not very many. We'd lose a little bit more if we charge 20% more, more at 30%, a lot more at 40%. And so what I'm getting at is, you know, you can probably make small incremental, you know, increases in your prices without seeing a lot of pushback. But as you get bigger price increases without justifying it to the market, you just can't do that. And so I realized that and realized I wanted a lot more revenue per hour unit put into the business. And so I couldn't just one day double or triple my prices. I needed to figure out a way to do that.
And so I want to tell you how we did it then and how we continue to change it now because we've changed programs since then. And so I've kind of developed a formula that works for me and hopefully it works for you on doing this. So first things first is you want to start out thinking about two things for your customers. You have to start out customer centric on this. You have to start out thinking about who is going to be buying this, whose life you're trying to enrich, who you're trying to serve, who you're trying to better, right? Because if you're trying to better somebody, the only way to get more money from them is bettering them more, right? And so I always start with looking at two things on behalf of my customers, and that is solutions and experience. So solutions meaning, you know, what solves their problem best? And that's what we start looking at it from. So many dog trainers come out and say, well, I want to do five sessions. How much should I charge? Or so many dog walkers say, hey, how much should I charge per walk? People that are new in the business and things like that. But that's the wrong conversation to be having, right? Because five sessions doesn't solve people's problems. I mean, it does, but that's not how they see it. You know, no one is waking up in the morning thinking that they need five dog training sessions. No one's thinking that. They need, you know, they're thinking in terms of, I need to solve this barking problem or this house training problem or this aggression problem or whatever. And so what solves that person's problem best? It's not about what you want to give them. It's not about, you know, what makes you happy. It's not about any of that. It's about what solves their problem best. And so, you know, for a dog walker, that might be a certain amount of dog walks. So it could be X amount of dog walks. For a dog trainer, it might be X amount of sessions plus this clicker or that e-collar or whatever. Or, I mean, it could be a variety of things, right? But if you were to write down everything that's going to solve their problem best, what would it look like? And I can almost guarantee you it wouldn't look like five sessions. It would look like, well, in a perfect world, they'd probably have access to this. And in a perfect world, they'd probably have access to that. And this would really help them solve this problem. And this would help them solve that problem. But that's not how most dog professionals are looking at things. Um, they're not looking at it from their customer's point of view on how we can provide better solutions. They're looking on what they want to give the customer because what they think the customer needs. Now, you may know what the customer needs better than they do, maybe, but you don't know better than the customer on what they want. And so you need to provide solutions for the things that they want. And that's the beginning stage is thinking about everything that can do that. I'm going to talk more in a second about what goes into that, but I want to talk about experience here for a second. But before I do that, I'm going to take a quick break stay with me because I'm going to come back and tell you how you can continue to improve your programs to make a lot more money and help your clients way better. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. She was thrown out of a pickup truck. Somebody threw him out of a car and shattered his leg. They found her walking on the streets. Many have been abused, malnourished, eating garbage. Scabs, itching, licking, missing fur. There's this commercial on TV that the ASPCA does. They want you to send in $19 a month for a dog in the shelter. I think you should go and adopt a dog from the ASPCA and then get that dog on Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. You don't need to spend thousands on vet bills. Their answer is nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa. The digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. When you rescue a dog, 
You've got to feed them right for life. Every rescue deserves at least 90 days of Dynovite. 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Dynovite is nutrition. Dynovite for life. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot oh. com. Are you having trouble getting the word out about your new pet product or invention? Let Whitegate PR open the gate to your marketing and public relations efforts. We've been specializing in public relations in the pet industry for over a decade. From press releases to media relations and publicity to pet trade shows and launch events to social media, the pet-friendly team at Whitegate PR has you covered. If you listen to the wise words of Bill Gates, he says, if I had $1 left, I'd spend it on PR. Learn more at whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. All right, we're back. And we're talking about how to improve our programs and program development. When I say program, I mean your dog training program, your dog walking program, your pet sitting program, your dog grooming program. Whatever the case might be, I'm talking about the offerings that you have to your clients. Typically talking about services here. Now, it might include some products, but I'm typically talking about services. So I always look at two things. The solutions that I offer my customers, how can I provide better solutions, more effective solutions, perhaps quicker solutions, perhaps easier solutions, you know, depending on what my customers want. Not necessarily what I want, you know, what I want to give them, but what they want to receive as far as the solution, number one. And number two is experience. And I don't mean your experience and the amount of time that you've been doing something, although that is obviously important because experience helps you get better. What I'm referring to is what experience do you want your customers to have with you, with your company? What is the experience you want them to have? Does it include getting a a thank you gift basket? Does it include thank you phone calls? Does it include personalized pickup and, and cards at Christmas? I mean, what is the experience that you want them to have? Because when you figure out the solutions that they are asking you for and the experience you want them to give, there's a dollar amount that it takes to arrive there. And so, like I say, this is the first thing I'm looking at is looking at, you know, the real cost that it takes to provide the solutions that they're asking me for and the experience that they want. And again, I want to repeat that again. I know I've done it a few times, but I want to repeat it because it's so important and it's so overlooked. And I hope folks even write this down. I have a bit of an ego. I always think everyone should be following me around with notebooks and writing out every golden word that comes out of my mouth. No, I'm just teasing. But no, if you ever write down anything that I say, this is one of the things that I would love for you to write down is this understanding that it's about what solves their problem best. And so to arrive at that understanding and to educate yourself about that, it requires polling your customers. It requires maybe putting money into advertising and seeing what clicks and what doesn't. It requires testing different programs. It requires, you know, all these things and seeing what are they actually wanting? Because when I do consulting with folks, so I consult with a lot of different dog trainers and other pet businesses. And when I do consulting with folks, I often talk with their clients and figure out what their clients say makes them special. And what they say makes them special versus what their clients say makes them special is usually different. So most people do not know the things that make them special. And so they, you know, it pays to have, get somebody to poll your clients, you know, do surveys, do things like that and figure out what your clients are actually wanting and what they want to experience. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. But like I say, that's the beginning starting point. Now, if you have that, you've got some real numbers to start working with. Because again, 
in creating programs, we also need to create a price that goes with that program. And so we can't just do it off the top of our head. That's not a good idea. As fun as that might be, we can't just be like, all right, this one costs 500, this one costs 800. You know, there's got to be an actual reason behind it that makes sense to your bank account and that makes sense to the people who are going to pay for it. But yeah, so if you've got those two things, what solutions they need, what experience they want to have, then you can start really figuring out cost to deliver that. I want to do like a little thought exercise by going outside the industry because I find that even though I've talked about this a lot, that folks still struggle to understand it. And I see so many folks still offering the same old thing. You know, here's our programs. It's seven sessions. Here's our programs. It's two weeks of board and train. Here's our program. It's one night of pet sitting is X amount of dollars. But again, if we're looking at it from a solution-based mindset, that's not doing our customers any sort of justice, any sort of service. It's doing them a disservice. So I want to kind of compare this to a different industry just to kind of give you a, a different mindset. So let's say that you're a personal trainer and you make a big promise and your big promise is that you can help people lose weight. And as a little aside here, this is very important for the identity of your company. What is your big promise? Your big promise is not, I walk dogs. Your big promise is maybe, I don't know, it's different for every company, but your big promise is, I help dogs not be bored and destroy things while their owners are at work. That's your big promise. Not, I walk dogs. Anybody can walk a dog, but can anybody, you know, tire the dog out the way that you can or give them the mental stimulation? Or, you know, what's the big promise for the dog trainer? It's not, I train dogs. Anybody can train dogs. Your big promise is, I solve aggression in 30 days or less, or I do, you know, whatever your promise is, you need to have a very significant promise to your marketplace. And you need to be demonstrating that with your copy and you need to be demonstrating that with your videos and, and whatnot. When you're a groomer, your promise is not, I groom your dog. Your promise is, Again, it could be a variety of things, but you know, your dog comes to a safe place where they're going to be happy and they're going to get the exact service that you want and they're not going to screw it up because I know that's what happens with a lot of groomers. Sorry, groomers. That's, that's the big thing that people complain about with you guys. And so, so anyways, what is your promise? I know that's a, going off topic for a second, but, uh, but it's pretty important to understand that because everything hovers around that. What do you promise people that you can do for them? And so we're talking about this personal trainer and their big promise is they help people lose weight. Not they help people get ready for sports, not that they help people live longer, not that they help people reduce body fat. They help people lose weight. So that's their promise. And it's different from other promises, but it helps people self-select. So, so again, if you were that personal trainer and your job is to help people lose weight, if I was working with you, I would say, write down everything that your client needs, everything, like everything they could potentially need. And when you start doing that, you know, what would you write down? Well, you need to have access to a gym. And so there's a hard cost there. Uh, it's probably going to help if you have somebody planning meals. That's going to help. You know, these books, you know, that uh, I really think these books are super helpful. So it'd be in a perfect world. Like if I was going to design and money was no object, I was going to design a program. You know, I would include these books. If money was no object, you know, an accountability partner, someone that's like pushing you to get out of bed and go work out. You know, if money was no object, really somebody to come make your meals for you, that would be good. And, you know, and, and you could just keep listing and listing and listing, right? And even if you've never been a personal trainer or worked with a personal trainer, you can go through this thought exercise and think about everything that your person might need in order to lose weight. Or maybe your job is to not lose weight, but to build muscle or, or whatever it is, right? And you can think of everything that person, you know, what's the most that they would absolutely need in order for you to feel comfortable that they're going to do great with it. Guess what? There's a program. There's your top level program. There's your top tier program. So have you done this exercise? Now, 
again, I said I would give some specifics, but more generalities. The general concept here is what is everything that your customer needs? When we're talking specifics, if you're a dog trainer, do they need a book? You know, is there a book that really helps people understand concepts that you don't have time to teach them or or you just don't teach as well as maybe a book does? If you're a dog trainer, do they need this training equipment in order to have success? If you're a dog trainer, do they need group sessions on top of private sessions? If you're a dog walker, do they need a report card telling them, you know, how their dog did on the walk and that he was a little bit grumpy when he saw some dogs behind the fence? If you're a dog walker, do they need dog poop, you know, clean up service as well? If you're a dog walker, do they need peace of mind, you know, so that you can text them a picture of their locked door when you leave in the afternoon or whatever? So what is everything that that person might ever need in order for you to solve the problems that you are uniquely capable of solving? There's your top tier program. You know, it's everything in the kitchen sink. In fact, one of my clients calls one of his programs the kitchen sink because it's everything you might ever need. Now, go down from there. And let's say we were that uh, personal trainer that says, all right, we're going to help people lose weight. Well, what things could you take away and still feel comfortable that they're going to have everything that they need? Well, if we took away meal creation, they could still make their own meals, you know, and, and so as long as they had the meal planning, they'd be fine. And we could take away the daily accountability partner as long as someone was checking in with them once a week or something like that. Maybe we wouldn't give them 10 books, but we can give them two books or something like that. And so, so like I say, you can go down to a lower tier and say what's less than you know the, the platinum package or whatever, what's less than this kitchen sink, but I still feel comfortable putting my name on it and I still know that they're going to get results and they're going to have solutions for what they're looking for. Again, not, well, here's what I can do. I'm going to give them all these sessions. I'm going to do this, but what will solve their problem and I can still put my name on it and be happy. Well, there's your middle program. Next thing you do is you go down and say, okay, what's the absolute base minimum? Like if I'm going to put my name on this, and I want people to be happy with it, and I want people to refer me, and I want to go to sleep at night comfortable knowing that I'm doing a dang good job for my clients, what's the bare minimum that I would be comfortable doing? You know, whether you're a dog walker, pet sitter, whatever. You know, maybe you're a dog walker, and you realize once every two weeks, it just doesn't work. It's not going to help provide the promise that I have where we're going to help get over your destruction and your anxiety-riddled dog and things like that. And so in order for me to feel comfortable, you need to have at least two per week and nothing less than that. Or whatever. Again, you know, I don't know what, what it takes to get to your goals and what your customers want and need. But if you can determine what the bare minimum is, then there's your lowest program. So again, I've given examples. You know, it can be group sessions. It could be books. It could be, I've got one client that, uh, you know, made a, a DVD about nutrition for his dog training clients. I've got another client that gives away a training journal. It's a real value. You know, it's something that, you know, that people want and they keep. And that's important because some folks want to kind of just include a lot of tchotchkes. You know, they say, hey, I'm going to build value. Here's a, here's a clicker with my name on it. Eh, you know, the clicker's value, but it's like 2 or $3 and it's saving them a trip to the store. So it's not a ton of value. I mean, but it is value. But oftentimes people think, hey, if I give out my clicker with my name on it, they're going to love that. Eh, probably not. So what are things that actually provide them value, that improve their lives, that work towards their solutions? There's a million things that you can include. Like I say, if you are in the training or the walking business or the pet sitting, well, maybe having a lot of information about nutrition would be helpful. Why do you team up with someone that knows a lot about nutrition or get them DVDs or books that have to do with nutrition? Because you recognize that as a dog walker, your dog, this dog needs good nutrition in order to walk well with me. And you recognize that as a dog trainer, this dog has too much sugar in his diet and it's screwing up in his behavior and stuff like that. Think outside of the box on everything that they would possibly need and then just work your way down from there to the absolute bare minimum that still you can happily put your name on. 
and say, this is something that I did. It's our lowest program, but it's absolutely going to help them and it's going to improve their life and it's going to benefit them. That's how I make my programs. And that is how we've been able to grow from, like I say, from start to a few hundred thousand to a seven figure business is because we look at it from the customer's point of view on what they want and need. And we don't look at it from what I feel like giving them because I'm, you know, I'm the the amazing dog trainer that knows all. I go at it from their perspective and I look at, I need to solve this problem for them. I need to solve that problem for them. And how can I serve them better here? And how can I serve them better there? That allows me to create my programs. Not only that, when you're doing this, you're bundling a lot of things into your programs and it takes you away from the dollars per hour conversation. When somebody's searching for dog trainers and they've never done it before and they don't know how to do it and they find this dog trainer's $50 an hour and this dog trainer's $90 an hour and this one's $140 an hour, well, maybe they're like, well, we don't want to go with the bargain basement guy. Uh, I don't know if we, you know, maybe we can get it done with the $90 an hour guy. And so maybe the $90 hour guy wins, but he wins based on price. He's not winning based on what he offers people. They were just saying, well, we don't want to go with the cheapest, but we don't want to go with the most expensive. Anyways, when you start doing stuff like this and you're bundling more into your walks and you're bundling more into your pet sitting and you're bundling more into your grooming, it becomes very difficult to price shop you, which is exactly what you want. You don't want people price shopping you and saying, well, this guy is $75 an hour. Would you match it? You know, there's no way of creating a dollar per hour conversation when what you're offering is a bundle of things that solve so many problems for them. They're not thinking about dollars per hour at that point. They're thinking about, hey, this guy can solve my problems. This woman can, can change my life. Things like that. Now, the last thing, and I'm running out of time here. In fact, I think I've run out of time, but that's okay. We'll go a little bit long. Last thing I want to talk about is test the market with confidence and sales skills. So, you know, I've worked with some clients and we've dramatically increased their prices as we increase the value of what they're doing. And I've noticed something. If they come at it very timidly, all right, well, you know, if they're very timid about it and they don't have any sales skills and they don't have any skill sets that they developed and really worked on their on those skills, it might be the perfect program at the perfect price, but they're just not coming at it with the right sales skills. So sales skills are important no matter how you sell. If you're one of these people that... Um, that wants to do most of your selling online and, and through videos and through email and stuff like that, sales skills are incredibly important. If you're one of these people that wants to get in front of the person and sell, sales skills are incredibly important. No matter how you're doing it, sales skills are incredibly important. Don't forget that. We are all salespeople in this profession. Like it or not, we do not get in front of our clients unless we've sold them on the reason why opening up their wallet to us is important because we can help them, we can serve them, we can solve their problems. I hope that makes sense. So, and one tiny last thing, once you've created those three programs or two programs or four programs, I wouldn't create too many based on what you're doing. Once you've created your handful of programs, figure out the hard costs and figure out the profit that you want built in. And like I say, go for it with confidence and sales skills and test the market. Now the market might tell you, dude, this is way too expensive. Okay, we'll come down. Or the market might tell you, dude, this is a screaming deal. Yes, please give it to us. And now you're way too busy. And, and so when that's the case, you probably need to up your prices. But let the market tell you the solutions they want, the experience they want, and what they're willing to pay for it. Stop trying to just put numbers on it yourself because you don't know how much people value things until you start testing things. Thanks for listening today. Hopefully you've gotten something great out of this because like I say, program development is at the core it's the promise that we make to our clients and it's at the core of every great company. I'm not talking just about dog companies, but the promise that we give people is at the core of every great company on earth. The promise and then of course the delivery of that is going to be critical.
But every great company has great promises to their clients and to their customers. If you like this show, make sure to go listen to my other shows on PetLifeRadio.com. Go click Six Figure Dog Business. And while you're at PetLifeRadio.com, make sure that you listen to all the other shows. There are tons of awesome shows on there. Everything you might ever dream about with pets. So make sure that you're listening to those too. Thanks for stopping by today. Go visit my website, Ty the Dog Guy. That's www.tythedogguy.com to see the different things that we're doing to help business owners just like you. Thanks a bunch, and I hope that I will talk to you next time. Listen to my show next time, and uh, yeah, now I'm mumbling. Now I'm I'm going off on a tangent. I'm just going to cut it out. Thanks for listening. See you later. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.